I believe that your season will come. Hey, I love this season. Christmas season is the most exciting season at Woodlands Church because we lift up Jesus Christ. He came to this earth for us. I don't know what season you're in. I know you're in the Christmas season, and it's a season to be stressful sometimes. How many of you guys are, and gals, are already ready for Christmas? You got everything done. You're ready for Christmas. Raise your hand. We hate you. You make me feel terrible about myself. No, I'm glad for you. God bless you. Pray for the rest of us, okay? I'll tell you what, though, we're ready for Christmas Eve services. We've been planning and praying, and God is gonna do something amazing at our Christmas Eve services, so I hope you'll invite a friend. It's an amazing season. I don't know what season you're in. Maybe you're in a season of planting, where you're planting, and you're planting, and you're watering. You've been obeying God, obeying God, doing what he tells you to do. You've been serving him and seeking him, but you haven't seen any harvest yet. You're just in the season of planting. You keep planting. Your season will come. Your season of harvest will come. And some of you are in a season of waiting. I mean, you've planted and you're waiting and you wanna go back and dig up the seed to see what's happening. You just keep watering, you just keep watering. That's the way it always works. There's a season of planting, a season of waiting, and there's always a season of harvest. If you keep planting and you keep waiting on the Lord, that season will come. I believe that your season will come. And some of you are in the season of harvest right now. And it's not easy because you gotta go out and, and harvest. But you're in the season of harvest. You know, we think of harvest, boy, that's great. If I could be in the season of harvest and blessings, I'm waiting for my season to come. But when your season comes, you gotta seize it. You gotta seize the season that God brings you. And it's hard work. You know, you see the, on the farm, the farmers have to go out and they gotta harvest and they work until sunrise, until sunset to harvest in the crops before they go bad. And so if you're in that season of harvest, you seize it. Maybe you're in a season of sorrow. I want you to know your season of harvest and blessing is coming. You see, tears may last the night, but joy comes in the morning because of Jesus Christ. So you hold on because I believe that your season will come. I want us to read from our key passage today. Isaiah 9, 6. It's a prophecy about the first Christmas. And it says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let's pray. Dear God, this is a familiar passage to many. As we talk about, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It reminds us of Christmas cards and Christmas songs. But Lord, I pray you would make it real to us today. And I just pray you'd help us prepare our hearts for Christmas, that this would be the most meaningful Christmas we've ever had. Lord, I know there's stress and there's difficulties that go along with it, but many times the busyness, Lord, just crowds out the purpose. And I'm praying that you would help us over the next three weeks prepare our hearts in such a way that we would experience the harvest of Christmas. All the blessings you wanna give us and it would change our lives forever. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Hey, it amazes me that Isaiah wrote this prophecy nearly 600 years before the birth of Christ. Can you believe that? This passage about Christmas was written 600 years before the first Christmas. Isaiah the prophet here had watched a series of failed monarchies try to rule Israel. Every single one of them just crashed and burned. One king after another had failed miserably. So at this point, he's looking ahead. He's been given a revelation from God to see through the centuries when the king of kings will reign and rule the world. And look at how Isaiah 9, 6 starts. For to us a child is born. 
This points to the king's humanity. Isaiah is saying, the king of heaven will come to us. The king and creator of the universe will come to us as a human being. Now, this was a wild and radical concept. We don't think a whole lot of it. Those of you who are Christ followers, is, yeah, the king came to us at Christmas. We all know about that. But just think about it for a moment. How radical this is that the God of heaven will come to us in human form so he could experience all that we go through and communicate his love for us in a way that we could understand it. Because if God is somewhere out in the cosmos, some force out there, I know that he's powerful, he created the universe, but how do I know he cares about me? He cares about me because of Christmas. That shows me that Christ's creation shows that he's powerful. Christmas shows me that he cares. See, the king of creation humbled himself and came to this earth as a helpless baby. But then the second part of the verse says, to us a son is given. This points out the divinity of Jesus, that he is the son of God. He was all man on this earth, but he was also all God. He was God in a manger. Now the next part of the verse says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now the first two parts that we just talked about are talking about Christ's first coming, the king at Christmas. But this one talks about his second coming. The prophecy looks even farther ahead to a time when Christ will rule and reign when he returns. Really a political kingdom over the whole world that will overrule all governments and make them totally obsolete. One day, the king in the manger will step into his rightful place as king of the world, and he will make all that is wrong all right. And there will finally be peace in the world as the prince of peace rules. But until that time, his kingdom is an internal kingdom, not an external kingdom. When Christ came the first time, he often said, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is right here before you. Now, the disciples misunderstood this completely because they thought he was talking about setting up a political movement uh, that would turn into a militia that would overthrow the Roman Empire. And then Jesus would be the emperor and they would be serving right alongside him and they were all for this because the world was in a terrible situation at that time. But Jesus said, you guys don't understand. My purpose for coming this first time is to do something even more important to rule and reign in your hearts. I came to be king of your heart so my kingdom of peace and purpose and blessing can spring up in your life. And that's why Colossians 3.15 tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Because wherever Christ rules, there's peace. When Christ is ruling in my heart, then I have peace of mind in these confusing and anxious times. When the king in the manger is king of my life, I have peace in the middle of problems. When the king in the manger is king in a marriage, there is peace in the marriage. Not appeasement, not a false peace because you don't wanna rock the boat. I mean a real peace, a real closeness where you have conflict but you work through it to a place of intimacy. You see, in marriage, you will fight. All marriages fight. The question is, how will you fight? Will you fight for connection or will you fight to win? Because that destroys the relationship. And when you let Christ rule in your marriage, then you fight for connection. You see, the best marriages aren't those who fight all the time. That's not good. And the best marriages aren't those who never fight because that's even worse. Because that means that you're not fighting for connection. The best marriages are those who, who fight at times, but they fight for connection, and they work through it and get to this intimacy and closeness that can only come through some conflict. They experience peace, why? Because they've said the prince of peace is gonna rule in our marriage, and that's what makes the difference. When the king rules in your family, there is harmony, and when the king in the manger one day rules the world, there will be peace. There will never be peace on earth until the Prince of Peace rules the earth. Now don't misunderstand when Christ was born and placed in an animal feeding trough in a lowly stable in a no-name town, he was king of the universe at that time. 
He has always been king of kings. He was the king of creation. He was the king in the manger. He was the king on the cross. He was the king who conquered death. He is the king of heaven, the king of earth right now, today. But one day, he will come to this earth the second time, the return of the king, and there he will take his rightful place and make all that is wrong right, all that is broken whole and restored, all the injustices just, all that is old, dead, and decaying, all new. He will make all things new. But here's the point. The king of kings wants to lead your life. He wants to be king in your heart so you can experience all the blessings of being a child of the king. If you're a Christ follower and the king is in your life, then you have the potential to experience all the blessings because you're a child of the king. Do you realize that? He has given you the keys to the kingdom. You know, if you're a son of a king on this earth, you got, key, you got keys to the palace. And, and that's the way it is if you're a child of God. But if you don't allow him to rule and reign in your heart, because as Christ followers, we can push him off the throne and we can get back on the throne and make our decisions and do what we want, what we feel best and not put him first in our lives, then you won't experience that peace. So for the next three weekends in this series, we're gonna prepare our hearts for Christmas, letting Christ rule in our lives so we can experience miraculous blessings, unexplainable peace this Christmas that can change our lives through the next year. And there are four titles in this prophecy that the king has given that show us what he will do in your life if you let him rule. Let's look at it. First, he says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He's the king of wise counsel. The king will give you direction in every decision if he rules in your life. Direction in every decision you make, and you need that. He's the wonderful counselor, and the word for wonderful here in the Hebrew means miraculous. He wants to miraculously guide you through life. And when I let him be king of my every decision, he gives me divine direction. And some of you right now are in the middle of a big decision, and it's really confusing. You have this choice to make that's in front of you that you know has big ramifications in your life and you don't know what to do. You need God's direction. Our decisions determine our destiny. Even the smallest decisions in our lives can have these profound ramifications, these ripple effects that last over time and determine our destiny. And some of you are paralyzed by indecision. And most of the time, not making a decision is worse than making a wrong decision. And when we leave God out of our decision making and just do what we feel is best or what looks like a good decision, it usually ends up in a devastating place. But here's the great news. If you let him rule in your decision making, then you will have divine direction. A miraculously divine direction. Why? Because he's already in the future. He knows the future. You can't predict the future. You can make decisions based on your past and you need to take that into consideration, but you don't know what the future holds, but he does. And if you get his divine direction, you will make divine decisions that bring about the blessings that he wants to give you. So before you make a decision, it's real simple, just pray about it. And it's not some big spiritual thing. You have a decision to make, a big decision, a small decision, just say, God, help me do what you want because you know what's best for me. God, show me what to do. God, I need your direction. Just admitting that you need his direction will begin this divine direction in your life. Saying, God, I, even little decisions. God, show me what to do here. I feel like that this is what you want, but uh, just help me. And then when God begins to put it in your heart, hey, go this way, go through this door. As you're walking through the door, give him the option to slam it in your face. God, I feel like this is what you want me to do. I've never gotten to 100% certainty that this is what God wants me to do. Unless it's in God's word, then I know it 100%. But if it's not in God's word, you know, it's like it's these, this choice here, this choice there, and they're both good. There's two doors. Which one are you gonna walk through? And I don't wanna make a wrong decision. And then I'll begin to pray about it. And God will get me to this place where it's like, God, whatever you want. And then I'll 
feel the Holy Spirit kind of move on my heart to move me toward one of the doors that I go, God, I'm at 95% now that I know this is what you want me to do. Is this what you want me to do? Then stop it if it's not, because I, I believe this is it. And when I start to walk through the door, I say one last time, I really, I'm 99% sure you want me to do this, God. I feel like you're calling me to do this, to choose this, to walk through this door, but if it's not, slam it in my face. And he's done that a couple of times, and it hurts. But it's like, thank you. Because when he closes the door, it's for your protection. And then he has a door that's so much better for you to walk through, to find his divine direction. But if you just admit, God, I need you. Any small decision, God, what should I choose here? What should I do here? Just acknowledging that he will give you divine direction. And then obey what he says in his word. You see, if God says, do this, do that in his word, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to pray, God, should I go to church today or just stay home, sleep? What should I do today? No, just go. God says, you need to be among, you know, your fellow brothers and sisters and fellowship. You need to connect online with some of your Christian friends. You need to be connected in family. You got to be worshiping God and, and once a week, it's so important to do that. And then every day, you know, by spending some time with God. And so you go to God's word, and if God's word says it, you just do it. Don't pray about it. God's word says that we're to spend time with him each and every day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Well, then just have your quiet time. God's word says tithe. Give back the first 10%. Don't pray about it. Just do it, and God blesses. Whatever's in God's word, and when God says don't do something, it's not to make you miserable, it's he created you, he knows how you work best, and he doesn't want you to do something that's devastating in your life. When God's word says to do something you don't understand, you just do it and obey it because God knows what's best for you. It really comes down to an authority issue. When something's clearly in God's word, it says don't do this or do that, and I say, I don't know if it exactly means that. I don't know, I mean, you know. Everybody else is doing this, and I don't think that's that big of a deal. Then you're basically saying, God, I know better than you. I'm God, you're not. And that always leads to a devastating place. But there's some things that aren't clearly in God's word. You know, you got two or three good choices. It's not in God's word clearly, and, and so you pray about it. God, what should I do? And he will begin to guide you. He'll guide you through his word, and give you promises, and he'll begin to put these impressions in your heart, this Holy Spirit, and, and you begin to move toward the decision that he wants you to make. And you go to God for that wise counsel, but then you go to other Christ followers who are wise and more mature than you, and ask them about it. Hey, give me some counsel on this. That's really important to do. That's why a church family is really important. That's why it's important to be in a life group, and, and to find one or two spiritual mentors and Chris and I have that, and we'll ask them, about, hey, we're praying about this, and that's really important. Some of you, you go to really, really crazy people to ask for counsel. They may be fun to go out and eat with, but they, everything they say is wrong, okay? And you're asking them, it's like, you know what, I mean, right now I'm struggling in my marriage and I really need some advice, what should I do? And they'll tell you what to do even though they've been married five times. I mean, it's like, what? I mean, be careful who you go to for counsel. Some of you just go to people who say what you wanna hear. Yeah, just do whatever you want. That's what, thank you for that wise counsel. That's what I was thinking. It's like, what? You need a couple of people who are more spiritually mature than you and, and it doesn't mean that they're gonna be, say exactly what you need to do but it's gonna be very helpful. Now look at Proverbs three, verse six. Proverbs three, verse six. And everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. This is an amazing promise of God that God will direct you in every decision and crown your efforts with success. One of the most important things that you need in this new year is divine direction. And God says, that I will crown your efforts with success. That word success in the Hebrew, I've said many times, literally means the ability to make wise decisions because that's more important than financial success. That's more important than family success. 
That's more important than business success because if you have the ability to make wise decisions and find God's divine direction, all the other stuff can come along. That's the most important thing you need in this new year is the ability to make wise decisions. But like all of God's promises, there is a premise. God says, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you do this, then I'll do that. If you do this, you'll have divine direction. So what do you do? He he says, I'll direct you and crown your efforts with success if you put me first. You put God first. Put God first in your week by coming to church, connecting online by worshiping God and putting him first. And and that's what you're doing on the first day of the week. You're you're more spiritual than the 1130 people because you come first, okay? (laughs) You're putting God first first, okay? So God's gonna bless you more and more because you're putting him first first. So I'm not gonna tell the 1130 people that. I'm just gonna brag on them too. And you're doing that. You're giving God the first hour, an hour and a half of, of your week and going, God bless the rest of the week. That puts him first. Puts him first in your week. Put God first in your day. Spend 10, 15 minutes with him, reading his word, praying, talking to him. And I'll tell you, Satan hates that. So he's gonna get you distracted. You're gonna feel like you're too busy to do that. But you're too busy not to do that. So put him first so that he can bless your day. Put God first in your finances, tithe, so he can bless the rest. Pray and ask God before you make a decision to put him first in every decision. And God promises you if you put him first in the most important areas of your life, he will guide you and give you the ability to make wise decisions. Now, let's look at the second title. The first, he's a wonderful counselor. But it also says, and he will be called Mighty God. See, he is a king who gives you victory in every battle. He fights for you. The words Mighty God in the Hebrew are the words El Gabor. El is always God. Gabor means strong warrior and champion. So it means God, my strong warrior and champion. He's a strong warrior and champion who wants to fight for you. And if you let the king in the manger be king in your heart, he promises he'll fight for you in every battle that you face. God cares about the battles you're facing today. And he's never lost a battle. And some of you are facing the most overwhelming battle of your life. It's the fight of your life, or it's a fight for your life. And Jesus knows. He cares. And just know you have an almighty God who fights for you, even when you can't see him working, and it feels like you're losing the battle, and you're staring into the face of defeat. You feel like you have no fight left in you. Give up to the king who fights for you. And some of your fighting battles you were never meant to fight, and you are worn out, and you've got no fight left in you. Turn it over to mighty God, this warrior champion who's just waiting to fight for you. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, it says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So what seemingly impossible situation are you faced with today? Whatever it is, God is more powerful than the problem. He's more powerful than the pain. Now, I know the pain is real. I'm not saying that faith is denying the pain and the hurt. I know the confusion and the questions are real. The overwhelming problem is overwhelming to you. You need to admit it. It's overwhelming to you, but not to God. God is mightier than the mess. And the promise says nothing is impossible with God. And maybe you're face to face with an impossible situation. You feel like you can't hold on any longer. You feel like you're going under for the last time. Did you know the Bible says when you're faced with an impossible situation, you're in a really powerful place, that that is a really good place, though it feels like the worst place to be. Because it's at the end of yourself that you can experience God the most. It's only when I recognize how helpless I am and how hopeless the situation is and how weak I am that I can turn and experience the power of Almighty God. It's only when I come to the place where I'm too weak to fight that I turn to the God who fights for me, the God who's never lost a battle, the king who's just waiting to go to war for me. The king in the manger is our Almighty God, our champion who fights for us in every battle. So let's look at the king's third title. He's wonderful counselor. He's almighty God, 
and he will be called Everlasting Father. He's the king who cares. He's the loving, caring father who's always consistent. He's always faithful. He's the king you can count on. He will never leave you or forsake you. That means whatever you go through in life, he will go through it with you, and you'll go through some tough times. You'll go through some loss. You'll go through some pain, but you'll never have to walk through anything by yourself. An everlasting father means that he is eternal, everlasting. So he sees the big picture. He sees that everything on this earth is just temporary except for his word and the souls of men and women. All your trials are temporary. All the pain will be in the past one day. You have an eternal king who will never forget you, but one day you will forget all the pain, all the hurt, all the tears, all the sorrow, all the loss because our eternal king has a palace in perfect heaven totally prepared for you. He is the everlasting father who will never let you down. And some of you had a father who abandoned you. Some of you had a father who really worked hard to provide, but they were distant and aloof and you never really connected with them. Some of you had a a really good father, but of course they're not perfect. There is no perfect earthly father. Now, I, I was perfect when I parented my kids, of course, because I'm a pastor. And they're PKs, which means perfect kid. How many of you knew a pastor's kid growing up? Oh, they were perfect, all right, yeah. Now ask my kids and they'll say, nope, he was not a perfect father. He made all kinds of mistakes. There's no perfect earthly father, but you have a perfect heavenly father who will never let you down. He will never abandon you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He always has time to connect with you. He never looks past you to see if there's someone more important that he can minister to. He's always on call because he cares about you. And what that means is there's a purpose in every pain because he is eternal and he gets the big picture. That's why scripture says God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say all things are good. No. Some things are really bad. Some things are horrific. Some things are terrible, some things are evil, but somehow our eternal Father, when it's all said and done, can take it all and weave it together, the good, bad, and the ugly, and bring good out of it for his glory and our ultimate good. See, everything will work out in the end. If you're a Christ follower, it's guaranteed that everything will work out in the end, and if things aren't working out in your life right now, it just means it's not the end. It is not the end. Maybe right now, it's all bad. Maybe right now, it's all painful. It just means it's not the end. Because we win in the end. I've read the last word of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, and guess what? We win in the end. When it's all said and done, we are winners in Jesus Christ. And we need to realize there's an eternal picture that we don't understand, but it'll all make sense one day. Now let's look at the king's fourth title because it says, and he will be called Prince of Peace. Because of that, if I let him rule and reign in my heart, then I'll have peace. Over the last 4,000 years of recorded history, there've only been 286 years of peace. All the other years, there's been war. We live in a crazy world where there's very little peace and a lot of conflict and anxiety and uncertainty. But the Bible says that's nothing to be worried about. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The Prince of Peace wants to give you the gift of peace. Regardless of the chaos all around us and the mess that the world is in today, Christ wants to give you the gift of peace of mind. And whenever God's kingdom is, wherever God's kingdom is, there's peace. Whenever Christ is allowed to rule and reign, there is peace. So are you stressed out today? Are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you uncertain? Look to Christ and accept his gift of peace so you don't have to be troubled or anxious or afraid or worried. If we just look to him and let him rule in our hearts and surrender to him when we're feeling anxious, 
who are feeling worried and uncertain, just surrender to him. Turn off the news feed. You know, open up your cell phone to scripture and read scripture and just surrender to him. Say, I'm anxious, I'm worried about the future, God, but I turn it over to you. Then his peace that is unexplainable, that the world can't provide, the world doesn't have a way to provide it, will fill your heart. The Bible tells us that in this world we will have problems, but Jesus said it's okay, it's nothing to be worried about because take heart, I have overcome the world. Problems aren't a scary thing. We don't have to be scared of our problems. Problems are an opportunity to trust Christ, to know that you can rely on him, and even though he doesn't cause the bad, he is there ready to walk you through it. He will guide you, and if you unwrap that gift of peace, it will radically change every area of your life, all the way down to the smallest detail. Now, I want us to look at Matthew 16, where Jesus says, this is the rock upon which I will build my church, upon which I will build this church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out, and that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven, a yes on earth, is yes in heaven, a no on earth is a no in heaven. So in Matthew 16 it says that when he sets up his government upon this earth to rule and reign on this earth, we're to rule and reign with him and he talks about here the only organization that is eternal. The only organization, the one organization that will last forever. The church is the only organization that will last for all eternity. Every political party will one day cease to exist. Every government will cease to exist one day. Every kingdom one day will cease to exist. Every nation will one day cease to exist. Every good organization will one day cease to exist. There's only one organization that's going to last for all eternity, and that's the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, and that's God's purpose. He's building a forever family. He wants everyone to come into his forever family to rule and reign with him one day. He wants everyone to be in his forever family, and that's the church, the body of Christ, and that's why the church is the hope of the world. It is eternal. That's why it's so important for you to be part of a local church, because the church worldwide is the hope of the world, and that means each local church that lifts up Jesus and follows his word is the hope of the world. He says, the only way to heal this hurting world is my body, the church, being my hands to reach out to the hurting, being my feet to walk to the hurting, being my voice to speak hope into those who feel hopeless. That's the only hope for this world. You see, government can do some good things and some not so good things. And, and we need good government. But there are some things government can't do. The most important thing it can't do is government can never change a human heart. And that's why government can't solve our greatest problems because our greatest problems are heart problems. And that's why we need peace to rule and reign in individual hearts so that it can begin to rule and reign in communities and peace can begin to rule and reign in our nation and in our world. You see, it all starts in the human heart and no human being can change a human heart, but God can. God changed my heart, God can change any heart, God can change us, forgive us, cleanse us, and give us a heart transplant. And that's what we need more than anything else. The greatest problems we face today are heart problems, and that's why we need the only one who can really change it. The great heart surgeon, the king of the manger, the king of creation, the king of the world, Jesus Christ, the king of hearts. And that's why it's so important that we have a heart for his house, that we have a heart for the church, that we love him. You know, I talk to some people sometime who say, well, I love Jesus and I'm a Christ follower, but I don't really, yeah, I don't really like church. I don't like organized religion. I always say, well, that's okay. We're a disorganized religion. Come on. It's like, I... I hear people say, I love Jesus. I'm just, you know, I just kind of get out in nature with Jesus. I don't really church, nothing. I don't go to church. They're all hypocrites down there. It's like, yeah, there's some hypocrites. There's hypocrites everywhere. You're a hypocrite. In love, I say that, but. I say, well, I just, you know, I just love Jesus, but I, I don't really like church. And I always say, 
wait a minute here. You love Jesus, but you don't like his bride? I mean, if you come tell me, Carrie, I love you, but I hate your wife, look out. I may punch you. That may be my last weekend here, okay? That makes no sense because Jesus said, this is my bride, this is my body. You're gonna be my hands and feet and voice to heal this hurting world. The church is the only organization that's gonna last for all eternity, God's forever family. And that's why we all should have a heart for the house because when my heart lines up with God's heart, God blesses. We found that all along in our lives and in our church. When our heart lines up with God's heart, man, God blesses that. And so we have an opportunity here towards the end of the year that we always have our Heart for the House offering where we put Christ first at Christmas and the Heart for the House offering is always a special time for us. In fact, you've been given one of these little brochures as you came in, an envelope and a commitment card and the Heart for the House offering is all about giving at the end of the year above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings for God to continue to bless the ministries of the church, all these ministries that are making a difference in lives and to put him first in our lives because it's his birthday and usually everyone gets gifts but Jesus Christ and we have a heart for God's house and when we give in the Heart for the House offering, we can expand ministries to minister to more people and of course, like any nonprofit organization, our church depends so much on giving at the end of the year and it really determines all of our ministry and missions budget for the next year and so it's just a really special time and. Involve your whole family. So many of you look forward to this. We've always looked forward to this in our family. We invited our kids in to participate. Your kids in the children's ministries are, are collecting change, and, and that's why you know some of them are gonna ask for your credit card, and they're gonna put it in their little box. You know, <laughs> Don't let them do that, but um, they're gonna try to find change and you know dollar bills and all that and put it in there, but it's such an important learning thing for them to say Jesus comes first. You know, we love our church. We have a heart for the house because it's the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And I just wanna share with you some of what God's done through your heart this year, church. Let's look at it. It'll be up there on the screen. 1,220 people were baptized at Woodland Church this year to profess their faith in Christ. Isn't that amazing? And that represents, each one of those numbers represents someone whose life has changed, whose eternal destiny has changed. 4.5 million plus people have watched Woodland Church services through our online campus and broadcast ministry. Over 850 people received Christian counseling from our pastoral care and counseling center. From our professional counselors and our lay counselors, now we've opened it up to all the churches in our areas and then also to anyone um, because there's so many needs after the pandemic, especially with students and young people. And then over 2,100 people have been impacted this year by our foster care adoption and single parent ministry that's just blowing up and making a difference. Over 2,000 children from 25 schools received school supplies for the whole year and they wouldn't have had them without you, Woodland Church. And we're doing that again for our Angel Tree ministry for Christmas. And 4,600 teenagers and children experienced Christ through our camps. Over 4,000 preschoolers, children and teenagers and young adults received weekly biblical teaching and fellowship and then 65 students enrolled in Woodland Seminary classes as we're raising up the next generation to change the world. And then we're serving the poor and powerless. Over 250 people experiencing homelessness were impacted with clothing, food, and temporary housing through our homeless ministry. 65 sites in Houston are ministered to monthly by our anti-human trafficking ministry. And Houston is one of the top three cities in the U.S. that has so much human trafficking and that's a terrible statistic to be in that top three. And, 400 and over 450 senior adults in retirement homes have been ministered to on a regular basis through our senior adult ministry, and thousands more have been impacted by our ministries, providing food, disaster relief, single parent support, job support, camp scholarships, fellowship through life groups, addiction recovery, and after school mentoring. And then look what God did through you to reach the world. Over 69,000 people were impacted in five countries with food programs, in-school mentoring, sports ministries, church planting, and leadership training. And over 1,000 people received agricultural training and seed and supplies in Kenya, Haiti, and India through our farmers' field schools. Over 50 women this year were rescued from human trafficking in India because of you, Will and Church. Did you know, Woodland Church, you planted 15 churches in Kenya, Honduras, and India in 2022? 
Did you know that over 100 pastors were trained and encouraged who minister in countries persecuting Christians this year through our persecuted church ministry and our missionary? Did you know over 6,000 students received biblical mentoring in Malawi, Kenya, and Honduras because of the resources that we're giving Woodland Church? God is doing amazing things, and these are just part of what God is doing through you to reach the world. And God is, the house of God makes all the difference when we move out of the house with our hearts into the world to make a difference. And so what I'm asking you to do is pray about what God would have you give. Our offering will be in a couple of weekends, but you can give now, anytime, you know, in December, you can give. And the way you give, it says it right here, you can give a cash or a check, put it in that envelope and turn it in, or just mark it, heart for the house. And then you can give by credit card, debit card, or bank draft. Just go to wc.org give. You can go to our app, our website, and you'll see a big giving banner, wc.org give. And then you just click on the give button and it'll take you to set up the secure um, giving uh, thing that we have on our, our website. And so it is secure, it's like bank secure. And so you can set up recurrent giving or you can just check heart for the house on that. You can give stocks and mutual funds. You can call the church and, and give that. Or we have a, a, a new electronic way to do that, wc.org slash stock. And it's a secure way to just transfer stock directly and uh, not have to pay the tax on that to give it directly to the church. But pray about it. It's not how you give. It's all about giving. Pray about what God would have you give. And don't pray, God, what can I afford to give? Say, God, how much do I want you to bless me this next year? Because when you give, you can't outgive God. And, and again, it's not the amount you give. It's the heart that God cares about. You know, if some of you give $10, it'll be a sacrifice this year because you've had a tough year. And God says, I, I count that in my book more than some of you would have to give $100,000 for it to even be close to a sacrifice. And everybody else is going, man, I wish I had that problem. But no, you don't because, you know, too much is given, much is required. And so pray about what God would have you give. It's not the amount, it's the amount of sacrifice and knowing that God is gonna bless you even more if you do. And you can fill this out, turn it in when you give, or you don't have to fill that out, just mark it, heart for the house, and God will bless that. And by the way, every year in our Heart for the House offering, we have projects that we want to do to expand ministries. We're gonna expand all these ministries that are making a difference, but then we also plant some new ministries. And we've been praying for two years for God to lead us to a campus in Houston. And we've been looking and everything has fallen through and we said it's just gotta be a God thing and, and now God has worked something out that we're so excited about. So we're going to this next year plant a campus in Houston. The East River development that is starting up by the same people that developed the city center. Um, there's a building in this East River development by Minute Maid Park. And in this development with condos that's coming up, great restaurants, all these things, there is an old building and it looks like a church. And so we're gonna take over that building and renovate it and revamp it and make it this amazing place. We have like 2,000 people on our database that come uh, every couple of months at least to Woodlands Church, our Tascacita campus or this campus. And they drive from the Heights, you know, the east side, the west side, and they do it all the time. I always say, our church isn't that good. I'd go to a church down there if I was you, you know. But no, I mean, they're part of this church, and so they've been asking us, come to Houston, come to Houston. And so we have a heart for Houston, and so we're gonna step out in faith, and we're gonna do that this year. And it's gonna be a step of faith. But what we're most excited about is the campus will back right up to the historic Fifth Ward. And this amazing historical neighborhood. And we've already connected with leaders and pastors there in the Fifth Ward. And we are going to come alongside them because we don't know what they need, but they've been doing the work over and over again to restore their community. We're gonna come along and support them with resources and volunteers. And we're gonna start new ministries like after-school mentoring programs at our campus and food programs, food pantries, and, and, all the, and job training and all these things, but to make a difference in the city of Houston. And I wanna show you just a little fly-through of the... Um, drawings of the campus and 
what it's gonna look like. It'll be the same size as our Atascacita campus. And what's really amazing for those of you at Atascacita, so many people at the Woodlands campus gave for our Atascacita campus, even though they knew they would never walk through the doors because they knew people need Jesus. And now Atascacita and Woodlands campus, we can give in our heart for the house offering because we know there are gonna be people, thousands who need Jesus in the city of Houston as we can make a difference in the city of Houston, and it needs, you know, more and more churches to make a difference. I mean, man, our city needs it desperately, and so what an amazing thing to get to be a part of, and it's gonna cost about $10 million to restore this, to make it nice, to make it great like our Atascacita campus, because they deserve something nice, and God deserves the best, our best, and so here it is, just look. And so there you see the kids area, you see the, um, as we rebuild this thing, there's a lot of great things in it, but we gotta gut it, it's a really old building, and make it brand new like this. And then you come into the lobby, and as you uh, go into the lobby, there will be a little coffee shop, you know, our fair trade store that makes a difference in missions all over the world. As you fly through, really it's kind of a walk through, it's pretty slow. As you, you walk through, you walk through, and there'll be some changes in this. This is just really preliminary. You see the cafe and the trading company, and you should go a lot faster when you don't have people in there, but um, you see an apple picture. I don't know what that means, but anyway, it means don't sin by eating the apple. Um, and then it seats about 700, something like that, in this really cool auditorium, and this structure is already built. We'll just have to put all the tech equipment in it, and that window is already there. And it's just a, a beautiful place, and it's right there next to Minute Maid Park, um, close to Buffalo Bayou, and all this development that's coming in. That the whole the whole east side is going to be really built up and changed in a powerful way. It'll probably take us, you know, nine months to a year to build this, um, we hear that it's a little harder to get permits in, in Harris County than it is in Montgomery County. I don't understand that, but anyway, we'll be, we'll be dealing with that. And, but we wanna make a difference and just be a blessing to the city, and so we'll have the children's area that, you know, there'll be so many kids that will be making a, a difference in their lives. So that, that just gives you a little bit of a feel for it, but we're gonna be increasing all kinds of ministries yeah, you can stop, guys. It's like another hour, you know. No. <laughs> and then it turns night. That's pretty cool, but, you know. You know, that's just one of the cool things that we're going to be doing that to make a difference, and it's powerful, and it's, it's risk, because we're step, we always step out in faith at Woodland Church. One thing, if you join Woodland Church, just know we will never let you get comfortable. We will always challenge you, and I'll challenge me. We'll challenge all of us, and the pastor is supposed to lead the way of giving and serving and making a difference for the kingdom of God through the church. But then I want you to take a look at this last verse, Philippians chapter two. Look at it with me. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the king is saying that right now, I wanna rule and reign in your heart, but I give you the option. I give you the choice. I want you to allow me to rule and reign because you love me and you want me to and it's your choice now here on this earth. But one day when I return and I set up my kingdom and the government rests upon my shoulders, that's when everyone will have to bow. Everyone will have to recognize that I am Lord. So do it now. Do it now before it's too late. Do it now while you still can, while you can experience his purpose and power in your life. Do it now because one day every president will bow. One day, every politician will bow. One day, every king, every prince, every person is going to bow and say, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because the king of creation became the king in the manger. The king of Israel is the king of righteousness. 
the king of faithfulness, the king of hope, the king of healing, the king of grace, the king of forgiveness, the king of life, the king of the cross, the king of death because the grave couldn't hold him and hell couldn't stop him because he's the king of kings, the king of ages, the king of the cosmos, the king of glory, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we will bow before him and serve him and he gives you the keys to the kingdom if you're a child of God, to pray and to ask him for what you need. He hears you and he fights for you because he loves you. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray for those who have never received you, that they would just pray this prayer silently to you right now. Dear Jesus Christ, Christ of Christmas, king in the manger, be king of my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. Come into my life with your Holy Spirit. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. I could never get there on my own. Thank you for saving me. Help me grow in my faith. I accept the keys to the kingdom. And now, God, I want you to rule and reign in my heart. Prince of peace, take over my life and give me your peace. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, right now we're gonna take our offering so you can give your regular offering. Our ushers are coming at this time. You can take out your smartphone and you can give that way. You can just text the word give WC. One word, give WC to 77977. You can give wc.org slash give and all you guys online can give to make such a difference or you can give your greatest gift offering but give because you love the Lord, because of what he's doing through the ministries of this church. And we got a lot of great things going on. Have you been to the Festival of Lights? How amazing is that? You know, we have it out here every Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. It'll be tonight. And we have these children's shows and all these lights. If you want to go to a place to see lights and to see Christ glorified, come out here. It's free. We have hot chocolate and all the goodies. And it. really, we just do it to minister to the community to bring them in, to share with them about Christmas Eve. And by the way, our Christmas Eve services start December 22nd through the 24th. It's called Restoring Christmas. It's gonna be so creative and powerful, and it's all about Jesus Christ. Hey, we love Santa and Frosty and Rudolph and all that, but what Christmas is all about at Woodland Church is Jesus Christ. Lifting up Jesus Christ, the reason for the season. And I'm telling you, you bring a friend at Christmas, and God's gonna get hold of their heart and change their life. It's all about restoring Christmas this year, and Christmas restores us. Let's stand together and let's thank him because when we let him rule and reign in our hearts, we have peace, but we also have joy. We're a child of the king, so if you're a child of the king, you walk out of here as a child of the king, proud of the king who is your father, and you have the keys to the kingdom, and you take them with you wherever you go, and you share the love of Jesus Christ with the joy of Jesus Christ on your face. So when you walk out and you get stuck in the parking lot, you smile, you smile, because people are at church experiencing joy, the joy of Jesus. Let's sing. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.